Welcome to Friends and Fiction, four New York Times bestselling authors, endless stories. Novelists Mary Kay Andrews, Kristen Harmel, Christy Woodson Harvey, and Patty Callahan Henry are four longtime friends with more than 70 published books between them. Together, they host Friends and Fiction with author interviews and fascinating insider talk about publishing and writing to highlight and support independent bookstores. They discuss the books they've written, the books they're reading now, and the art of storytelling. If you love books and you're curious about the writing world, you're in the right place. Hello, everyone. It's Wednesday night, and guess what that means? Thinking, thinking. It's time for Friends in Fiction. So let's get rolling because we have an amazing guest tonight in Jocelyn Jackson, and we have much to celebrate this week. I am Patty Callahan Henry. I'm Mary Kay Andrews. I'm Kristen Harmel. And I'm Christy Woodson Harvey. And this, and we are Friends in Fiction, four New York Times bestselling authors, endless stories to support indie bookstores authors, librarians, readers. Tonight, we are welcoming our friend Jocelyn Jackson, along with three big, I think now four big announcements this week. <laughs> so you do not want to miss a single minute of tonight, not one thing. And Brenda Janowitz was meant to be here with us, but she has lost, tragically lost her mother and she is missing tonight. We are sending her great love in her time of loss. And we'll talk about her book a bit later in the show. Meanwhile, you know that we're here to bring you incredible authors, hot reads, and fascinating interviews, all while supporting independent booksellers. One way you can help us support indies is to buy from them when and where you can, or to visit our own friendsandfictionbookshop.org page, where you can find Jocelyn Jackson's and Brenda Janowitz's books, and books by the four of us and all of our guests at a discount. And speaking of amazing books, don't forget to join the Friends and Fiction official book club with Brenda and Lisa on their Facebook page. Right now, they're reading Coronation Year, and we'll be welcoming our friend, author Jennifer Robson, to discuss the book on May 15th at 7 p.m. And yeah, speaking of books, our books, <laughs> this is the year that all four of us have new novels being released. Finally, Patty's pub date is in six days. Six days. Yeah. So <laughs> buy her book, damn it. But Christy, for big news, number one, don't you have something you would like to share with us about your new release? Something about a book tour and a killer pre-order campaign? <laughs> I do, and that's really exciting. But do you think that maybe you should share your big news first since it's kind of like... I don't know. The suspense. I, You know, I'm trying to build up the suspense. Let's, okay, okay. Let's wait I'll till go, later in the show for I'll her. Go and yeah. We'll reveal your big thing later in the show. <laughs> okay. Well, I am so excited to finally be able to announce my tour for the Summer of Songbirds, which releases July 11th. 7-Eleven, for those of you who put that together. Um, I will be kicking things off in Nantucket with friends and fiction favorite Ellen Hildebrand and darling Tim from Nantucket Book Partners. And I am so excited. So if you're in the Nantucket area, yes, we'll be at the Athenaeum Theater. It's going to be amazing. Um, and I'll also be signing there on Wednesday morning before I head to Westerly, Rhode Island, Bedford, New York, Spring Lake, New Jersey, lots of towns around North and South Carolina. And of course, we'll be in Tampa with these amazing ladies on July 20th. Um, we'll also be having um, a fun summer camp celebration in my town of Beaufort, North Carolina, the weekend of July 22nd. We have a few events around that. So all the details about the tour can be found um, on my website, christywoodsonharvey.com. Um, and also, if you haven't seen it, there are some really fun pre-order freebies. A lot of these um, events are book and ticket, so, so that counts too. So all you have to do is just fill out the little, there's a little pre-order form. It's on my website and Instagram and Facebook and everywhere, but um, it includes this really cute camp hair, don't care hair tie. We're really proud of that one. It's <laughs> <laughs> so cute. It is cute. A Summer Songbirds bookmark, um, a five by seven art print postcard of the gorgeous painting of the book cover, and of course, a signed book plate. And then I wrote um, about 
25 pages actually of these really fun letters from camp. So you get to kind of know our ladies and all the details of their lives before they begin. So those will be emailed out. So um, all the details again can be found on christywoodsonharvey.com. They're pinned to my Facebook and Instagram profiles. And I'm so excited to see all of you on tour. And um, I know I speak for all the ladies when I say we're so grateful for your support always, but especially as we are launching new books. um, It's always a little scary, but knowing that we'll have our friends in fiction, um, friends in our audiences and in our corner really, really helps. So thanks for that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And in that vein, for so many of you who are in our corner, we appreciate it so much. One of the ways many of you know uh, to get first edition signed copies of all of our books. So really, I mean, yes, we would love for you to come to events for all four of us. We would really love for you to come to all of our joint events. But these are guaranteed first edition signed copies. You can get those through our Friends and Fiction Firsts subscription box from Independent Bookstore, Booktown, and Manasquan, New Jersey. If you order now from Booktown, you'll get those signed editions of all four books as they're released, plus the exclusive kitchen towel you can see there that says, Dinner Can Wait, It's Time for Friends and Fiction. You can find out more about that at Booktown.com. Now, you all have been listening to our Writer's Block podcast, haven't you? The one that drops every Friday. Well, we'll always post a link to the newest episode on Facebook and and on Instagram, or you can find it on all major podcasting platforms. And on our most recent episode out now, Ron and Patty talked to, hold on, my script is Zoe Fishman (laughs) about her novel, The Fun Widows Book Tour. Coming this Friday, Ron and Meg will be talking to Andrea Dunlop about her novel, Women Are the Fiercest Creatures, which was just released last month, and Julie Gerstenblatt about her work of historical fiction, Daughters of Nantucket. So listen, review, subscribe, and share with a friend if you like what you hear. And those are some good episodes, man. So those are Don't Miss podcasts. Now, without further ado, let's welcome our friend, Jocelyn Jackson. Jocelyn is the New York Times and USA Today bestselling author of several novels, including Never Have I Ever and Mother May I. A dear friend of mine and a neighbor, Jocelyn's novels have been translated into a dozen languages, won SEBA's Novel of the Year Award, twice been the number one Indie Next pick, twice won Georgia Author of the Year, been a top 10 finalist in the Goodreads Choice Awards, been the Target Book Club pick, four times shortlisted for the Townsend Prize for Fiction. Come on. I know. What a show off. Been a finalist for the (laughs) Willie Morris Award for Southern Fiction and won the Patricia Wynn Award for Southern Fiction. You know, it's a shame she's never accomplished anything. I I mean, it's really just sad. You know what? She's been on Friends in Fiction. So there's that. That is a two-time Friends in Fiction. It's weird that she didn't put that in her bio. I'm Obviously, yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe now she will. It's yeah, like the Townsend Prize, nice. Friends in Fiction. It's similar. Same. Maybe now Same she thing. will. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so a former actor, Jocelyn reads the audio versions of both her own novels and other writers' books. Her work in this field has been nominated for the Audio Award, included on Audiophile Magazine's Best of the Year list. It's more things she's done. Won yeah. three earphones awards, made the Audible All-Star list for highest listener ranks slash reviews, and garnered three Listen Up awards from Publishers Weekly. And now I feel really bad about myself. No, she is really good. I've listened to several of her audiobooks. <laughs> yeah. awesome. She's read a couple of mine. Yeah, it's so cool. I forgot about that. Yeah. So as a volunteer with Reforming Arts, um, Jackson spent six years teaching creative writing in Georgia's maximum security facility for women. She currently serves on their board of directors, focusing on re-entry. She lives in Decatur, Georgia with her family, two cats, and a dog. Her novel, With My Little Eye, was just released yesterday. Sean, can you bring Jocelyn on? Hi. Hi, hey, hey. I just want you guys to know there's a shorter version of my bio. <laughs> <laughs> we like that one. We want oh, to talk about like all your bragging. Yeah, yeah. And, I do too. I think to women be, need to do that more. Yeah. Yeah. So true. And to be honest, Jocelyn, I had to cut it down a little bit. So, I mean, there's even more. So, <laughs> I mean, and we need to brag on each other, man. Come on, woman. Man. It did. I think that what you cut out was two-time 
friends and fiction visitor. Jocelyn yeah. Jackson, <laughs> yeah. also writes novels. When not, when not visiting friends and fiction, she fills the empty hours. Somehow, somehow. Crying <laughs> into her laptop. Crying. <laughs> Eating, eating wrongful foods and writing novels. <laughs> For those who don't know, she, Jocelyn has done this hilarious series on Instagram with her daughter where they eat wrongful foods and talk about them. And it's hilarious. <laughs> All right, Jocelyn, we have been friends for a long while. We first met together on a stage when our first novels were coming back out in, what was it? 2004. Yes, we were, we were like 18 then, I think, or 19 years old. 17. Yes. And and we were in Perry, Georgia, and I was a nervous wreck. I hadn't learned how to talk about my book yet. I hadn't been on a big stage before. And I was a nervous wreck and you were like, this stage is mine. (laughs) And you got out there and you just, I didn't say that. (laughs) Just for the record, I didn't say that. No, you owned it. Like you owned it. (sighs) And I felt better after I learned you'd been a theater major. I was like, oh, okay. So both of us have changed our genre or focus of writing since then. And I think all of us here have shifted since our first book. For example, Mary Kay even changed her name. Her name. So, Uh, Yeah. So how have all of you shifted? Do you feel the biggest shift has been since your very first novel, Mary Kay? Well, um, you know, I started out writing um, straight uh, mystery and uh, with a Southern, with a Southern focus. And, um, and I did that. I did um, 10 straight mysteries. And then I had an idea for a different kind of a novel. And that was Savannah Blues. And I didn't know, I thought it was a straight mystery. But once I turned it in, my editor said, no, um, we're not going to market this as a mystery. We're going to market it as um, just straight up fiction. And of course, it it is marketed as women's fiction. So that's, you know, and the name change came about simultaneously. How about you, Christy? Um, I think what I write is still really similar. Like, I think I sort of my first book was very much like Southern family drama and I think I've kind of stuck to that. Even with the wedding veil, it just was a real family to have some Southern family drama in real life. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it's funny because I was thinking about when you were talking about being on the stage, that has definitely changed. Cause I remember like my first few events and my, and TV, especially, I mean, I remember going on this like little local cable access show and I was like, I'm, I couldn't sleep for like three nights. I was like, I'm not going to make it through this. I'm going to throw up. Mm-hmm. And that gets easier. You know, I remember, like re like, Oh my gosh, I skipped that line in my talk. And now I just, you know, kind of get up and go, which is good or bad. Cause y'all know I can really talk. So, you know, who knows if that's good or bad, but it's funny. Cause I think I'm more confident in my, like, you know, speaking and on stage and, but somehow I think releasing the book might have actually gotten more nerve wracking yes. because you kind of know what's coming. And then you also, there's this feeling of like expectation and you don't want to let your readers down and you don't want to let your publisher down where with that, with that first book, it's like, you're so green that of course you're panicked that you're putting this book out into the world. But it's like you, it's like when you have your first baby and you don't even know what to expect. <laughs> like you don't even know all the things that are going to happen, you know? And then the second one, all like, that's coming for you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so yeah. I think, I don't know. It's weird. It's like more confidence and less confidence at the same yeah. time. Yeah. No, I, I have the same thing. And I think to some extent, and I know we've talked about this, but I think to some extent, we all know too much. Like we all know too much about how the sausage is made. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, you know, too much and, and you can get yeah, nervous. Your first about book, they're like, the they, they send me bookmarks. You guys <laughs> like, like, Oh my gosh, it's in stores. And now yeah. we're like, we, you know, we have it down to the wait, how come this store only, I don't even know. It's too yeah. much. We all know too much. Um, <laughs> if, for, for me, um, you know, I started off writing what we were calling 20 years ago, Chicklet. I, I wrote my first book in 2003, obviously also 17, just like you, Patty, and, and you, Jocelyn, um, it, you know, in the mid 2000s, 17, all of us. Um, but it, it actually came out in early 2006. 
And it was called How to Sleep with a Movie Star, which um, it's not the same thing I'm doing now. Also not a real how-to guide. I always have to, I feel like I have to specify <laughs> that. I have, I, yeah. Um, <laughs> that's another story for another day. Not a real how-to guide though. Um, but my with my first historical fiction novel, which I wrote in 2010 and came out in 2012, I made a big shift in my career. And it wasn't so much that I'd changed as a writer. It was that I realized that's kind of what I should have been doing all along. You know, and it was kind of like you squeeze yourself into this pair of jeans that are supposed to fit. And everyone else says this fits. And this is these are the jeans you should be wearing. And then one day you put on the jeans that do fit and that look great on you. And you're like, oh my gosh, these are the jeans I should have been wearing all along. <laughs> and that's kind of, I think, how it was for me with discovering, um, finding my way to historical fiction. That oh, is an awesome. excellent comparison. I like that. <laughs> I love that. Although I still haven't found that pair of jeans. But how about you, Jasmine? The jeans you have might been... actually be harder than the writing. That <laughs> is true. Even, I don't think like that pair of jeans exists. Yeah, I don't think <laughs> don't. They're a myth. It's true. So, so oh, Jasmine, no. talk about your switch. You were uh, writing very Southern fiction to yes. thrillers. Yeah, well, I mean, but if you look back at my Southern fiction, every book has a body count. I, I mm. always, like my first six novels, I realized, oh, I've killed someone in Alabama in every book. <laughs> and then I thought, I need to branch out from that. So I started killing people in other states. Um, <laughs> and so I, I, I think that what really happened was I'd been trying to say something about my family history and the South, this land that I love and, and I'd feel ambivalent about. And I um, I wrote a book called The Almost Sisters. And I'm not saying I said it perfectly. I don't think you can ever say it perfectly. I'm not even saying I said it well. I'm saying the thing I was trying to say, I said it the to the – I'll never be able to say it better than I said it in The Almost Sisters. It's – I felt like a weight come on. That was a fantastic book. And Thank you read you. it really well also. Thank you. So I just started writing my next novel and I got about a third of the way through and we had just gotten an offer for my next two books from my publisher. And it said it was just an offer for two more Jocelyn Jackson books. And, you know, at this point in my career, that's all my contract says. We all know what that means. And um, I got about a third of the way through the book and we were in negotiations and I was like, this is a thriller. I'm writing a thriller by accident. And so <laughs> I called my agent. I was like, we can't sign that contract. I'm writing a thriller. And she's like, you're wedding a water? <laughs> and she made me send it to her, which I don't like that. I don't like anyone to see my books in their underpants. I want them, you know, all dressed yeah. up nice and fancy. But I sent it to her and she was like, okay, this is a thriller. And um, I mean, it's domestic suspense and it is set in the South and it's all my kind of characters, you know, mother daughter relationships are always hugely important to me. I always write about that and, and um, like topical women's issues. Like my thrillers are still books that a book club would want to read. There's always stuff to talk about, but it is a little bit more, I have a higher body count and a little faster pace. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, then speaking of higher body count and faster place, let's dive into this novel with my little eye. Yeah. So we know this book is about a stalker and about yes. a mother. It's another mother-daughter story and a mother who moves her daughter across the country to try and stay safe. They move to Atlanta. But I love asking this question that can get us started in a new way. That's what the book is about. But what is it really about? Um, it's really about the pressure that I feel and that I think a lot of women feel as they get older to like the, the way we start to become invisible and mm -hmm. the way people stop listening and how, how much pressure you feel to be, to, 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 to be relevant. You have to be thin and you have to be young and the sort of invisibility that happens to women as we age and how in some ways that's really freeing because if nobody's looking at you, you can get away with a lot of stuff. But also <laughs> it's, it's also just, it takes away a lot of identity, like things you didn't know you were, you were counting on. And so this book is about gaze, G-A-Z-E, like who is watching you and who has, how does that change the power dynamic? To me, that's what the book is about. That's awesome. Oh, wow. 
It absolutely is. I mean, it's about a lot of things. I even had listed some of them, but to think about the gaze and then you have a stalker who's watching her everywhere she goes. I mean, yeah. I've never met a literal name I don't like. My first book was about a girl who runs away and her last name is Fleet. It's the, when my when one of the competing romantic leads in the book is a man named Cameron, you know you're in a book about gays. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's and awesome. I didn't even realize that until I was reading the page passes. I was like, I flat named him Cameron. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Well, the subconscious is a fun thing, right? Mm -hmm. Definitely. Well, in your last three novels, Jocelyn, have had titles drawn from nursery rhymes and have been thrillers compared to your other earlier Southern fiction, which we've talked about. So what was the initial seed or inspiration for this novel that made you say, I'm going to write this story about a stalker? Well, for me, it's a little bit of a sliding doors situation. So as as you know from my extensive bio that you read all of while I died inside. Um, <laughs> At least you didn't have to sit on the screen while we did it, right? I know. That was so merciful. I was going, oh, God, did I really just put all that out there? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so when I oh, – God, I forgot the question. It's gone. What were we – just what was the initial spark? Like what made you say? I'm oh, yeah. Write a story it's a sliding doors a thing. Yeah. yeah. Because Maribel Mills is an actor. She's not a movie star. She's not a famous actor. She's a working actor. Somebody who makes a living doing the thing they love best in the world, which I mean, that's my life. I, my, mine is writing and it's a good life. If you, you know, if you, if you love your job, that's great. So she, um, but I, you know, I was an actor too. And at a certain point, I was either going to go to LA and try for a television career, or I was going to go to graduate school for writing. And I went to graduate school. And so like, I, I knew I was going to write about a stalker and it just seemed like this was the time to write about Maribel. Like what would that life had been like if I had gone the other way and pursued my other passion instead of pursuing this one? So, and for me, that was really fun. <laughs> Because it's a fun world. Like we get to go to some like costume trying on and we learn what an actor's life is like. It, the research was fun and getting to see Maribel's world is kind of fun, I think. So what about for you? Like, do you ever look back and think what would have happened if I had taken that other path? No, I mean, no, I, I, I'm glad I didn't. Like I like the door that I went through very, very much, but it is fun to visit those other possibilities. Like sure. life is, a, a, as you age, life is a cafeteria line. If you choose the fried shrimp, you're not getting the meatloaf. You know, you're yeah. going through the Morrisons with your meat and three. <laughs> <laughs> and you've got, eventually you have to say. So it's it's fun to, to have that little. And I think a lot of people have that kind of fantasy other life. And I think like being an actor, being on television is one of those, like it's a way to, I think reading the book is kind of fun for, for people who want to slip into that world for a minute too. Yeah. And maybe like the stalker parts make you think, I'm sure glad that I chose to run my father's hardware store <laughs> or whatever it is you're doing. It just looks a lot better when nobody's trying yeah. to murder you. Yeah. <laughs> well, I love Maribel. I, Sorry, yeah, I love Maribel. She's smart, quirky, and we come to know her intimately. I feel like there is more of you in her than any other characters I've read in your books. Are you going to deny that? Or are, are, are we, are we, or have we hit the nail on the head here? I will absolutely and categorically deny that. Okay. Um, Maribel is very clear. Like I am actually like people laugh when I say this, but Patty can tell you that it is true. I'm, uh, I am shy. Shy. I'm shy. I have a person that I've named Ramona. And when I go out in public, Ramona's pretend and she's full of vigor and confidence. And I just pull on Ramona so I don't like go under the table. And and so Maribel has a lot of Ramona in her. Like it's my there Sasha Fierce. There's a lot of Ramona in Maribel. So that's fair. You know where I locate myself in the book? Her daughter, Honor. Honor Mills, that is the character who's the closest to me internally that I have ever written. Her, Honor at 12 is me at 12. Wow. Wow, Jocelyn. 
because she yeah. feels so real. I guess she's my, I mean, I love her, but, and I, it sounds terrible to say that because she absolutely is me, but I think it's really important to love your 12 year old self. You yeah. weren't at your most lovable. <laughs> um, <laughs> 12 is a nightmare age. It's just the worst. You're so unhappy. It's so hard. Everything's exploding and changing. And, and it's just, a. I just think 12, 13 is the hardest age. If you can get yeah. through that, man, you can get through anything and yeah. it honors me. And so I, I, that's where I am in the book. I'm hidden inside honor while I'm pretending to be confident Maribel. I love love that you see me as Maribel. That makes me feel good. I'd rather be her. So, yeah. Wait, who's asking the next question? Am I asking the follow-up? Yeah. (laughs) We have a follow-up for you, Jocelyn. Speaking of knowing somebody in this age of social media, everybody thinks that they know somebody when actually we really don't know nothing. We say things like, Oh, I love, um, I love Jennifer Garner or I love JLo or whatever. And really we know next to nothing about them. And I feel like you really tapped into this idea to the extreme of how someone who is unstable, not, not talking about any of us, somebody (laughs) stable can believe they know us to a dangerous level. And do you think that's the downside to social media? Oh, yeah. It's one of many. I think there's a lot of down. I mean, there's some wonderful stuff about social media. I love it. I want to look at all your babies and all your puppies and all your cats. And (laughs) I want to see how my friends who are far away are doing. And I want to tell people about my book. And I want to see the next book I want to read. So there's great stuff. But then on the other hand, like when you put yourself out there like that, people can tape things to you that have nothing to do with you. And like the worst extreme of that is Marker Man, who has invented Maribel to the point that she's an object. She's not even a person anymore. She's a thing he's invented for his pleasure. And she's not even present in his ideas of her. All her desires are what he wants her to desire. And, And that to me is like, we, I mean, this happens. This is how people end up like squatting in David Letterman's closet or whatever. People, <laughs> people do this. It's so true. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk a little bit about that without a spoiler. So you really got into the head of the stalker. I mean, it was creepy. So I- I'm wondering both how in the world did you do that? And also, how did it affect you? I, I mean, I know when I'm writing historical fiction and and the characters are going through something tragic or awful, I get really depressed. Like, it, it, you know, I, I can feel it happening to people I love because you come to love your characters. But this is different. Like, how do you get in the head of somebody like that and escape unscathed? I don't. I mean, ugh, he made me need to take a bath. I did not ugh. want to write him. I didn't want to write. I mean, I didn't plan to write him in there. I... I started writing the book. I knew there would be, it's mostly Maribel's story. Maribel narrates probably 80% of the book, but there are a few other voices that come in. And I did not plan to let that man talk. And then I was like, okay, he has to be more present than this. Like I thought people aren't going to understand how, why would she leave her town? He has to, they have to understand. Because I knew how bad he was, but it wasn't appearing on the page. So then I, I wrote his letters. I was like, maybe I'll just, show his letters. And even that wasn't enough. Like I thought it's not going to be, people aren't going to understand why she makes these kind of extreme choices until they understand how much danger she's actually in and how bad this is. But yeah, it was gross and icky and he's not a good person. Yeah. (laughs) Put it mildly. Exactly. Exactly. Understatement of the show. Um, You know, the other question I had for you, and it's interesting because you kind of touched on this before when you mentioned the cafeteria line. Um, there's an X in the book, and you so aptly tapped into that feeling of the road not taken. And I think, as you kind of said before, the older we get, the more roads there are that we didn't take, the more places that the path diverged and and we chose one way and that other way just kind of disappeared. So I found it to be a fascinating undertone to the book. Um, Can you talk to, uh, to just talk to us a little bit about that and and whether that was intentional? Yeah, 
Yes, I would love to. Here's one of the reasons I love Maribel the very most, and I do love her. Maribel wanted a specific life. She fell in love really young and really hard, and she wanted to marry that man, and they wanted to have children, and biology and fate intervened. And not only did it blow up her marriage, but she is ne- she was never able to have children. She's and that's you know that you learn that very early in the book. And so it's her mom, it's her own mom, who's a very small character in the book, but I love her, who says, go through a different door. And so she takes off to L.A. And when she gets out there, like, even though that door is closed, it seems like that door is closed on a marriage and a family for her because she's lost this man and she can't have children. And she's just like, you know what, maybe I'll just change my definition of what a family is. And she adopts honor through the foster system and they are a family. I love this little family. I love how they love each other. Honor is um, honors on the autism spectrum. She's brilliant and quirky and weird and has some serious challenges. And Maribel and she are, are just messy and loving together. And I think like, to be able to to want this thing and you can't have it and then to say, okay, but what can I have? And to go into what you can have with that kind of 100% commitment and love, like yeah. that makes me love her. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, for sure. That's, um, and those, those families, those family dynamics are so interesting. And, and like you said, you know, just show that families are, can be a lot of different things. And you really have built a wide cast of characters here, including neighbors and lovers and children and even a homeless child. And you have red herrings galore. So I was wrong about the stalker and your plot (laughs) twists are fascinating. And so I need to know, are you an architect or are you a gardener? And did you know who the stalker was all along? I knew who the stalker was all along. I knew that. I did not know. Yeah, yeah. I did not know what would happen or if I did not know who would live or die. I did not know who would escape unscathed and who would get in trouble. I I knew I knew who I knew the characters and who they were a hundred percent. So of course I knew who the stalker was, but I didn't know how they would all interact with each other or how things would turn out. I never know. That to me is the fun part is like, I would get bored. I think if I knew everything I like to, and I always feel like if my plot twist doesn't surprise me, how's it (laughs) going to surprise you? Like I'll be writing and and I'll be like, Oh, it's this. And then I have to go back and start all the way over and set up for it. So it's not, it's not, I'm glad to hear you say that. Cause I asked him <laughs> I was like, do you guys ever pitch a book? And you're like, and a long held family secret. And you're like, but I have no idea what the secret is. <laughs> yeah. And you just lie. You're just like, oh, it's amazing. Cause you know, it's going to come. It's going to come. It's going to come. If it's- you build it, they will come. <laughs> I was driving this week and I had a long road trip. And for some reason, I just, I was scrolling through my audible and I clicked on Stephen King's on writing which is one of my favorite books I'm writing, but I just haven't listened to it in years. And he reads it in his voice. So it's really good. But he was talking about exactly this. He never plots. He says he thinks plotting is evil. You know how he talks and that he never knows what's going to happen. And he told the whole story about the stand, how he got halfway through the stand and was stuck for months. Like he, he couldn't decide what to do. And it, he said the same thing you just said, Jocelyn, which is, I want to show up every day to find out what happens next. And it's not always the easiest way to do it, but I want, I didn't know how that book would end. I didn't know. And it, just to hear him say that, I was like, so we're not that crazy or we're maybe not that we are. Crazy? No, we're fine. Maybe. We're <laughs> exactly right. Maybe we all are. Okay. I have one more question for you before we let you go. This is your third crypt thriller or is it crime? Yeah. So how do you define the genre if you define it at all? Um, I, I mean, don't you kind of think 
that's like publishing's problem. Like I just, yeah. I, I mean, I, they just, they just have to know where to put it on the shelf. So the readers who like, they can just, they make it look like this so that the readers who want a book that is like this one on the inside can go, Oh, that cover means it's going to have this in it. Like for me, I'm like every single one of you. And I know this because I've read your books. I know how you guys are. You want to tell a story that feels urgent about these people that are that you love, that are interesting, that have complicated problems happening. And then like, that's publishing's problem to say where we're going to put this in the bookstore. I just want to write a damn good story. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Along that, along that line of characters we love, the daughter in this novel is neurodivergent and we rarely see a character like her brought to full and beautiful life. Would you talk a little bit about that? Um, well, my son is autistic and my son is also the kid we call mini me, but it took me years mm-hmm. to make that connection. <laughs> um, so I was diagnosed in my forties as being on the autism spectrum. And most of honors challenges are challenges that I faced when I was a young woman. And if I had known, and if I had had the kind of intervention that my, and then, oh, this is hilarious. My daughter came to me in high school and was like, mom, I think I'm on the autism spectrum too. I've been reading about girls on the autism spectrum. I'm like, honey, tell me why, what you think. Cause I was like, that's insane. Just tell me. So she starts saying all these things and to every one of them, she's like, well, girls on the autism spectrum do this, this, and this. And I was say, honey, that is normal. Every, I was just like that. Every girl does that. Okay. No, they don't. <laughs> but <laughs> the, the, the things she was describing are very, very classic female autism. And it seemed normal to me because I was autistic. So um, I, I, and, and here's something weird and kind of cool because women are under so much social pressure to be empathetic and to be socially skilled and to smooth things over and stuff like that. Women on the autism spectrum, two of their highest, most likely careers, novelist and actor. Because those are things that teach you how to make a facial expression that matches what you're feeling, which I did not know how to do. I had to learn that manually. That teach you how to understand what you're feeling and manage it without like destroying the den, um, banging your head into the wall. So, um, so there's like, it's really, it's really actually freaking cool that I was able to write honor from a perspective of knowing what was really going on with her. And my favorite thing, I'm just going to say this, is that, you know, I read my own audiobooks. I read Maribel Mills and my daughter, who is on the autism spectrum and who is an actor, auditioned and she reads honor. Oh. And she killed it. And there's, they did a whole cast for this audiobook. The actors are great. There, so every every character, Cam, the bo- the ex boyfriend Cooper, the new guy she's kind of interested in. Um, they got the uh, the homeless girl, Xena Warrior Princess, not her real name. Uh, they they got different actors, like some of my favorite voice actors. They let me cast it. They sent That's me a whole so list. Cool. That's so fun. That's so it's awesome. the audiobook is amazing. If I mean, I'm sorry, but it is the cast is so good. That's awesome. And, That's and so you know, you guys, why I, are you sorry? I saw. Sorry. Um, I saw. Jocelyn, I saw Jocelyn's uh, daughter in a production that her high school put on. Um, she was in um, the Little Mermaid. Oh, she was oh. Ursula. She was Ursula, and she was amazing. So uh, not a big surprise at all that she's so good at this. Yeah, she kind of killed it. Yeah, I took my granddaughter to see it. We just went, wow. Oh, I love that. Jocelyn, it's always such a pleasure talking to you. You're such an incredible guest and so interesting and smart. And I'm sorry, you are more Ramona than Shy. I've been around you a lot. You have a big interesting, curious personality. It's so fun to be around you. So before we let you go, where can everyone find you online and on tour? Um, I am, if you go to jocelynjackson.com, spelled my, oops, other way, haha, spelled my weird way, Jocelyn with a silent H in the middle. Thanks, mom. 
Um, <laughs> you, all my events are listed there. I'm going to be going up through Ohio and through Virginia, and I'm doing a bunch of stuff around Georgia. And um, of course, I'm I'm here on Friends of Fiction, but that's already happening right now. So but you can just put my whole first schedule there, and I would love it. I would love it if you came out. Oh well, Thank happy you guys public, so my much. friend. Thank, Thank and you, to you Patty. One you. week later. Uh, good Six luck. Days. I'm real excited about that. Yeah, one week Thanks, after me. We we were so close. It's Almost. Nice. We've been the same day before. I know. I was hoping our, the stars would align for us, but you were you're six days behind me, and I'm really excited for you. And thank you, okay. Kristen and Christy and Mary Kay, so much for having me. I appreciate you guys. Oh, thank great you. I'm so glad you were here. Thank we you. We love having you. Thanks, Good night, my friends. Good night. Okay, so we promised you two more big pieces of news, but I was wrong because we have three. Mary Kay, would you like to share your news? <laughs> well, you know. Uh, the big, the secret is out. I, um, I blew dry my own hair tonight. Oh, <laughs> I'm, a big, I'm a big girl now. I, um, you know, I, my whole life I've been hair impaired. I, I can't do my own hair. And so today, oh, actually I did it. Uh, I had a, a library event in Anderson, South Carolina on Sunday and you can't get, can't get blowouts on Sunday. Mostly. Um, I, there's a law. So I did my, I blew my own hair dry and then I did it again. And now I'm a big girl. And now, the, now the less important announcements. Thank you. Thank you. Very, very proud of you. Right. It's not, not, you should add that to your official bio. It's not you a Townsend prize and it's, and it's not an Audie and it's not an Edgar, but I, I did blow out my own hair. But actually well, day to day. Day to day, it might be more important than any of that. That's <laughs> so I don't true. Know about that. <laughs> okay, y'all. I, I have something to tell y'all. I have been, I'm so excited. I have been holding this like warm ember of news that I'm so thrilled that I finally get to share. So the secret book of Flora Lee is drumroll. Oh, other people are doing sound effects. It's so <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yes. that was good. Is the Barnes and Noble National book club pick for the month of May. Yay! I am so over the moon. So they have their own edition, which has a um, little thing on the front. And then the end papers are colorized. They're so, so in beautiful. the regular version, they're the same, but they're not colored. And then inside in the back, there is an essay I wrote just for... Barnes and Noble. So there's some exclusive content in the back. So when I was first started writing, I was living in Norcross, Georgia, and there was a Barnes and Noble right near me. And I had three little kids and I would go to Barnes and Noble all the time for the reading or just to wander around. And I would try to imagine the bar a book that I wrote on the shelf in Barnes and Noble. And now this month, not only, I'm getting choked up, not only will it be on the shelf, but it will be in the front of the store as their national book club pick. So I am so delighted for all the support for Florley, from Indie Next Pick to Library Reads to this book club choice and to all of you who have been so kind, who advance reader copies and have been talking about it. So only six more days until the book is in stores, and I am bowing to all of you with gratitude. Thank you. Oh, well, Patty, we are thrilled for you, and you. we all know how huge this news is, so I hope everybody else knows how huge this news is, too, because this is a really, really big deal, and it's very exciting. Um, and okay. I just have to say, I just finished The Secret Book of Flora Lee, and it was so incredible. I cannot stop raving about it to everyone who will listen. And there's this twist and I gasped out loud and I am not surprised at all that BNN picked you as the best of the best for May. And I cannot wait for readers to get to experience this gem of a novel because they are going to be so thrilled. We already know that you and Flora Lee are the best of the best. So now we are so yeah. thrilled that everybody else gets to know it too. And um, we just, we're so excited for you. I'm speaking for all, I'm speaking for the tribunal. Yeah, we're thrilled. You're the general community. Yes. Yes. Thank all you. of us. Yes. All definitely. of us. We are one person. We have more. <laughs> the we. We are the we. 
Yeah, so um, but speaking of people and books that we adore, uh, we do have some sad news too from our friend Brenda Janowitz, who I know is a favorite friends and fiction author and um, was meant to be our second guest tonight. But probably a lot of you have heard that just four days before her book came out last Tuesday, Brenda's mother passed away. And so um, she had to postpone all of her tour events, obviously, including her appearance on her show. And of course, the loss of a parent is you know, one of the most devastating um, life events, but we all also know she's very disappointed to have to cancel her tour. And, um, you know, tour is a very important part of putting our book out into the world yeah. and spreading the word and, yeah. and getting out in front of readers. So we know this is a really difficult time for Brenda for so many reasons. Um, but we want to make sure that, you know, there are people like us out there to champion um, this book so that readers will find um, this amazing story. So we still want to talk a little bit about it and just remind you all, if you are looking for your next great read, the Audrey Hepburn estate is, is a, is a great one. Yeah. You know, I'm disappointed that Brenda's not going to be here uh, tonight to answer questions because I had so many questions for her. I, I get to read this book early for a blurb and I wanted to read it to you the full text of the blurb I wrote for her, just so you get kind of get an idea of, um, of sort of a feel for this book. So I wrote Brenda Janowitz has become known for something unique that she does beautifully, delivering compelling family stories set against stories of Hollywood royalty. See, you should read things out loud before you send in blurbs because I said stories twice in one sentence. And I'm just now realizing that. Anyhow, in the Audrey <laughs> Hepburn estate, she is at her finest, weaving a complex family tale of love and deception with roots in an estate connected to the filming of Sabrina, one of Hepburn's most iconic films. A compelling, fast-paced story that zips between past and present, touching on World War II history, stolen art, false identities and love lost and found the Audrey Hepburn estate is an exciting emotional page turner Brenda Janowitz always delivers delightfully complicated stories that leave me with tears in my eyes and hope in my heart so I stand by every word of that blurb and if this sounds like the kind of story you would be interested in I think I speak for all of us when I say that I would encourage you to pick it up this week because a strong first few weeks of sales will give the book a longer tale it's yeah. absolutely true. And it rhymes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. There's like I'm a little rhyme. Like we could just start little saying poetry. Book lunches. <laughs> uh, also, have I ever mentioned that Sabrina is my all-time favorite yes. movie? Yes. Followed closely by Audrey's role in Charade. Anyway, we tell you all the time about how much pre-orders and week one sales numbers count. And we hope you're going to keep that in mind for Patty and her book launch next week, too. Hashtag buy her book, damn it. In the meantime, we are sending Brenda all our love. We hope you'll pick up the Audrey Hepburn estate now. And Kristen, don't you have a big announcement tonight? Yes, I too have blow dried my hair. No, no, oh. it was that not no, right? it's bigger. No. It's bigger. <laughs> oh, oh, bigger than my that. Hair, my, hair, my hair is. It's bigger. even bigger than blow drying your hair. It's big. It is big. It is. No, I, I, it's, yeah, no. I want to tell you all that I have a brand new short story, actually, called The Road Home, which comes out tomorrow as part of one of Amazon's short story collections. So this collection called Good Intentions, which also features our friends Christina McMorris and Atoff Rum. Rum, how, how do you say her last name, Christy? Is it Rum? Atoff Rum? Um... I'm so bad rude, at pronunciation. We had her on and I, now I can't we've, remember. I know, we've had her on and I like have been with her in real life and we did it. Yes. It's room. It's room. Oh, okay. Sorry. Someone like, puts you on the spot and your brain like clenches Completely. up. Well, I'm sorry. I shouldn't reading? have put you on the spot. I have no idea. Next, I'm going to be asking you about your blowout. It's just going to get really <laughs> awkward. All right. <laughs> so th this collection's called Good Intentions. Christina and Atoff both have stories in there too. The collection's about motherhood, and The Road Home is a story about a mother who has had to make a heartbreaking choice in World War II France. So if you're an Amazon Prime member, the whole collection is free starting tomorrow, and that includes the audiobook versions of the collection. And I've actually listened to the audiobook of this. I started listening to it, um, and it's really good. Like, I don't mean the words that I wrote, but I mean, the audiobook narration is really good. It's even done in a French accent, which is really cool. Um, and the stories are all uh, free as audiobooks too. So if you're not an Amazon Prime member, The Road Home is only $1.99. But remember to check back in tomorrow to pick that up. Wait, before we move on, I do have to ask, 
did you like writing a short story? Did you feel like it was a um, kind of palate cleanser between novels? I mean, because it echoes the same themes as the Paris daughter, motherhood, World War II. It does. So how, I, I need to know. You know what's interesting? Um, it it ended up um, being the last thing I wrote before I was diagnosed with cancer. So I had just finished the story when I got oh, my wow. diagnosis. And I still had to go through edits and everything while I was dealing with the beginning of that. But um, it, the process was easier than I thought. But there was something kind of beautiful about having this thing now that represents that particular chapter in my life. It, it, I mean, I know that's kind of silly, but it's like the end of like the end of the before. Um, mm -hmm. And then I edited it through this. And so I think it'll always, even though it has nothing to do with that, really, um, it is something that'll hold that moment in time for me, if, if that oh. makes sense. So um, it was different though. A, a short story for me it is difficult to write because I'm used to pacing things in terms of a novel. So it was a, yeah, that's know, what I was curious. a, a, yeah. a different thing, but I'm glad I did it. That's amazing. Well, we are so excited to get to read it. And um, I think I've already like pre-ordered all the forms of it. Oh, thank <laughs> you. That's so sweet. Thank I know. Well, I was thinking like this will, this will be really great for all of our upcoming travels to get to listen oh, to. Yeah. Sadly, yeah. it's short. I mean, it'll be over quick. You, you won't, you won't get much road mileage. Out of it. Sometimes it's good when you just have like a quick it drive is. somewhere to the next yeah. place. And then you're like, you don't want to be in the middle of a book or yeah. like, yeah. that's true. That is true. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this has been such an amazing night with all of these pieces of news and with all four of us having new releases, we have some simply amazing events coming up. So you can also catch with us, catch us live as a group multiple times this year. We've got Patty's Friends and Fiction live launch celebration next week. It's finally here in Charleston, South Carolina on May 1st. So don't miss it. Come see us. Then on June 6th, we'll be in Huntsville, Alabama with Kristen's The Paris Daughter. Then in Tampa, Florida on July 20th at Oxford Exchange for My The Summer of Songbirds. Then in Beaufort, North Carolina on August 1st for a breast cancer fundraiser. And then last but absolutely not least, we will all be in Darien, Connecticut on October 4th for Mary Kay's Bright Lights, Big Christmas. Yeah. Oh, you're yep. muted. You're muted. Sorry, the doorbell rang. The dogs are barking. <laughs> real life. Real yeah, exactly. life. Real R-E-E-L life. Okay. <laughs> As I was trying to say, thanks for joining us tonight. You can find all of our back episodes on YouTube. We'll be back next week to celebrate the launch of Patty's The Secret Book of Flora Lee. We have such a fun episode in store for you, and you never know what kind of theater we will bring. Don't forget to place your pre-order for Patty's The Secret Book of Flora Lee. And if you've already ordered, why not get a second copy of Barnes & Noble with all that exclusive gorgeous <laughs> content? I mean, I'm not going to tell you what to get your mom or sister or daughter for Mother's Day. But let's just say that this book looks gorgeous with a big ribbon <laughs> tied around it. Do with what you will with that information. <laughs> Oh, y'all. And don't forget to check out Christy's pre-order package and her tour and Kristen's Amazon short story, The Road Home. So we will see you all next week for the Friends and Fiction launch of The Secret Book of Flora Lee. Good night, y'all. Good night, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. You can join us every week on Facebook or YouTube, where our live show airs on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Also, subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Instagram. We're so glad you're here. Produced by Autovita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.